Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with your hosts, Emma Doyle and Simon Blair, coach for success in sport and business. Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. This is a very special episode on The Coaching Podcast because, Simon Blair, 2016, can you rewind the clock and tell our listeners the moment that you sat next to me. Oh, did I sit next to you? I can't remember. Take us oh. back to that day <laughs> and uh, and the, the the birth of the podcast. What are your what are your memories? My memories are it was I can't even remember what the event was. It was some JT Fox. JT Fox speak becoming a great speaker. Um, becoming a great speaker. So. We second row, I think it was mm-hmm. second row. So nerdy, so I've nerdy. Got a feeling, I've got a feeling you sat next to me, but I could be wrong. Anyway, we sat next to each other by stroke of luck. And, of course, you have a bit of time before the thing starts, certainly have time afterwards, and we it just clicked, didn't it? Just clicked, and uh, our love of coaching I think it was that afternoon. Our conversations has resonated with me. I kept thinking about it and I thought I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. That's just a general idea, nothing firm or concrete. And why don't we just call it the coaching podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we were but ahead of our time. Taken. Yeah, surely that's taken. I mean, that, that was the name. It was born in, in just a random thought. And it was free and it was available and no one had taken it. So... Oh, just totally acknowledge you and so grateful for your guitar skills. Our little intro and outro, people might not realise, is you. Oh, yes. Yes, your your music. I wouldn't have even known how to push uh, edit back in 2016. So now you, look at you. you. I know, now look at me, look out. But, I, you know, I'm just so grateful for that first opportunity. I think... We did have a podcast before it was even cool to have a podcast. Uh, so right. early, um, really, early adopters. Yeah. So today is, is a special episode when Simon and I have spoke spoken about his um, his business is going from strength to strength, and so he's handing over the reins. So this is a very sad episode, but a really exciting episode because it's a bit like our guest uh, on the coaching podcast who has recently retired. Johanna Conta, she was the the interview that we are going to talk about, like we used to back in the day when I used to stay at your place and we'd, we'd record episodes until all hours in, in the morning and then you'd have to edit them all yourself because I didn't know what I was doing. But uh, <laughs> but a bit like that, uh, you're retiring, not retiring from coaching, of course, but retiring <laughs> from the coaching podcast because things are going well. So that's really awesome. Tell us a little bit about your business right now and well, I think it's quite, isn't it a bit ironic that, you know, we do a podcast called The Coaching Podcast and the reason I'm getting out of The Coaching Podcast is because my coaching is going so well and <laughs> I need to put more time and energy in, into that because it is there is an opportunity there for me to take my business to the next level and this year, because of the life circumstances with kids getting older and, and there's an opportunity there to put more time in, into that and and really take it to the next level. So, and as you now know, because you've picked up the reins with this podcast after our initial long hiatus and the last what eighteen months or so, you've um, really been the one that's you know taken the bull by the horns and, and 
got the show back up up and running and on its feet and really been driving it and yeah i've seen you you know the confidence that you've got in terms of being able to just produce it end to end and and get the content out there is uh credit to yourself you know you have a full appreciation of the 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 time and energy and effort you actually have to do put into it to make it regular and successful and as we we transition because i know you'll still be listening to episodes when you work out which we love people who listen to the podcast yeah. when they're uh when they're in the car or whatever works for them I'm about to get a new bike delivered emma a bike oh, that nice. I my bike for a long time and so yes i'm, I'm thinking that'll be perfect podcast uh yeah activity. yeah great just ticked over simon twenty six thousand listens 26,000 wow. listens. Isn't that amazing? Awesome. That is amazing. It's really global podcast as well. Yeah, it really is. And I, I took a screenshot of the map that I'm going to send over to you as well. And, you know, really we do reach an audience pretty far and wide, which is which is really, really awesome. And, yeah, I think that just so that everyone knows, I'm, I'm excited about uh, continuing to really be committed to releasing an episode every Tuesday, you know, where possible, I'll uh, do my best and one, you know, one sports coach and one business coach each week. That's the goal. I might not always be able to hit the mark. It is a, a one, a one person show now, but I know that my friend Simon Blair will always be supporting me and one of my big cheerleaders. And, and speaking of which, did you, did you, I know that this is an audio podcast, but people might be, not be able to see this, but did you get the memo about the T-shirt? I mean, we're hey. wearing the same T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the great memories of um, working with you, Emma, uh, and, and knowing you since we started the, the podcast was obviously the journey that you went on, which I think we featured in a couple of episodes, didn't we, in terms of you becoming a TEDx speaker and uh, even the process leading up to that and what was involved and your own psychology around that and some of the practice and, and how you managed to, you know, deliver that that keynote and um, do so well at the TEDx Onionta. Did I bring yeah. that correctly? Yeah, Onionta. Um, and as a result, when you next came back to Australia and um, we, you came to my place and we did some recording, you delivered me a, this lovely T-shirt. Well, the good thing about TEDx talks and podcasts, what I was thinking is just the amount of content that, you know, you put me on to Gary V and, and Claude Silver and all, you know, there's so much amazing content out there. My hope is that that people really sort of uh, appreciate as well that, you know, this this content that we put out is because of the love of coaching, which is why you and I connected. It's what brought us together in the first place. And just to make sure that they always tap into you know, the content that's out there and just keep creating content. Because I know you and I both subscribe to the Gary V philosophy and that everybody's got strengths in how they give out content and create content. And I think yes. for you and I, definitely speaking and talking about coaching is is what we love to do. It's what brought us together. And that's one of the, another thing that I'm really proud of on the coaching podcast. What, what are you most proud of? Yeah. Like everything, play to your strength, which is a key coaching philosophy as well. And in terms of being successful, one of the great takeaways and I think learnings for me as a coach while we've been doing this podcast in terms of doing things a bit differently, um, leveraging strength. So when that comes to what you just mentioned around producing a podcast, I think the reason it's worked quite well for us is because it has been audio-based. My work as a coach is analysing and then coaching staff in how to talk effectively over the phone uh, and using your voice 
in the land of audio, which phone-based communication is. And so that's always a strength of mine and with my music and everything as well, being audio. So we played to our strengths in that regard. For you as well, with your evolution with even presentation skills and face-to-face delivery, I think that's coincided with you then doing more video from in terms of from the podcast as well and recording interviews and then using the video. And I think it's just a good example of one of the reasons it's worked is because you both of us have really done a format that conducive to our strengths. Yeah. Um, and as you said, I think that that's, there's no one way. It is about the Gary Vee thing. Just do stuff. Just get out there and do it. In terms of the podcast itself, so just to answer your question in terms of big takeaway, apart from the mechanics of what we've done, I think I always go back to those early episodes and because one of the hard things is the process of sourcing guests and contacting them and, and getting them to say yes and trying to make an interesting show as well by getting diversity in terms of the guests that we had on. And for me, it was because of I was following Gary, Gary V back in the early days and it was he always said just if you don't ask, you don't get, you know, be bold, contact that person that you want. Um, what? Who cares? What do you got to lose? Like, what's the worst that can happen? They'll say no. So I did that one day and reached out to Claude Silver because he featured her on his show and Claude Silver is Gary's right-hand woman, um, chief heart officer of Vayner Media. And I was so impressed by her just because of her, you know, where I think empathy is really the hallmark of how she goes about her, her approach to managing people and, and development. And so I just thought, I got that. I'm going to jump on Twitter. I'm going to do a, ah, did I do a video? I think it was a little video clip or something. And it was on New Year's Day and I just had the idea. I thought, don't think about it. Just do it in terms of contacting her in that way and just asking. And she said, yes, and proved something to myself and not, not being afraid. Just, just ask. And they're just people. And it doesn't matter who they are. And, you know, what a wonderful guest and what a wonderful episode amongst many for me personally and, and I think for the show. So can I just tell you, I was, watching uh, the new Sex in the City uh, and Just Like That show last night and there was a scene from Empire Diner in Manhattan and I was like, that's where I had breakfast with Claude Silver (laughs) last night. I was like, oh, my God, thanks to you, Simon Blair. So I love that full circle and I love paying it forward Mm. and I love what you just said there because I think that's a great segue into now listening to Johanna Conter's interview, who, of course, is a professional tennis player who has recently retired from the game. And, yes, I knew her when she was a kid. She actually uh, grew up in Australia up until the age of 14, and then she moved over to the UK with her family. So I had the opportunity to work with her from 12, 13, 14, but literally on the day that I interviewed her, basically like the Lawn Tennis Association, their national training centre, and I was working with another player and I was having lunch and Johanna was there with her coach and I had my little dictaphone that Simon Blair bought me from back in oh, yeah, that's right. the little 2016. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I don't think remember. I use, I don't use it anymore, but it was it came in handy. And I literally just said, you know, I was chatting away to her. I was, hey, so great to see you because I hadn't seen her in so long. And I said, Do you mind if I interview you? She said, I've got, you know, two, two, three minutes max. I said, perfect. <laughs> we only asked the same that's couple right. of questions. That's so that's all that's all I needed. So should we listen to that interview now, Simon? Yeah, let's do it. First question is the Vegemite, Johanna Conta. You either love it or you hate it. Vegemite, what's your take? 
I don't like it. I mean, I, I, I've tried Vegemite. I've tried yes. um, the English word with Marmite. Yes. I don't like either. <laughs> In which case, could you share with us a coaching moment that didn't go well and what are the lessons? Something that a coach might have said or did or no names, of course, but something where it didn't go so well. I think for me personally, it was always about finding, uh, for me, the best coaching relationships that I had were always the most open ones. I yeah. think I always, I always um, were needed and need to this day um, a a partner on the journey. Uh, not so, I, I never really did so well when um, things were too much dictated to me because I always asked and to this day still ask uh, a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. I love that quality about you. It's one of my favorite qualities. Um, the next question, in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? Well, for me, um, I can only speak personally to me, um, open-mindedness. I think for me it's important um, values, um, strong values, and and for me personally, um, values that match up along with mine. Uh Um, Like the 15 push-ups? Like the 15 (laughs) push-ups, no. no. Um, And then um, I think... uh, yeah, actually, it's those two. Yeah, yeah those two. Great. And what's that one question that you always want to know more about? What are you curious to always want to know more about? What's that one piece of information? Um, I'm that? always, I'm actually, not so much a question, but I'm always curious about their process. I'm always curious about how, how what their approach is, how, how do they see... Um, difficulties, how, how how they work through difficulties, and actually how yeah. they work through triumphs as well. Because I think uh, it's quite important to have a good, stable um, method through both things. Yeah, like we spoke about earlier, you're gonna always come across them, aren't you? You can't, you can't run away from your problems. No, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. It's been so good seeing you. No, you too. So you can hear the report. I was on court with her. Also, she did represent Australia just momentarily, and I was fortunate enough to be the the under-14 world junior captain. So we had her on the team. So I got to sit on court with her. And one of the things that I'm going to kick it off with, because I mentioned it in the podcast, but no one will know what I'm talking about. So I want to kick off with the the part in the interview where I say, just like the 15 push-ups. So I'm going to start with a story uh, that people won't know the background because we didn't, like I said, she only had two and a half minutes, right? But the story was we were getting ready to represent Australia, so we had a training camp. And in that training camp, we were doing some some fitness work and the girls were very, very tired and they had to do this last set of push-ups and it was 15 push-ups. Or a lot of the girls just dropped down and they they couldn't complete it. And there was Johanna. And she was, her arms were shaking and she she was trying to really just, she was not going to stop until she got 15. And yeah. what happened in that moment was really interesting. The coach highlighted that as a real positive. So the coach at the time, wasn't me, but yep. he said, girls, take a look at this example. And he was very direct, a little bit um, harsh with his tone. He was trying to pump up Johanna saying, isn't that fantastic that she, you know, she's the only one that stuck with it and she gutsed it out and she, but what happened was. you're not doing that, you're somehow less less than so. Yes, exactly. So that's indirect for the rest of the girls. So all of a sudden, and I know that you work with a lot of female teams outside of your work as well with your girls' football but basically it almost created a, a, a 
this them against her situation and it, she really struggled with friendships j- just oh. in that in that squad and in that time yeah. and so it was that you know sometimes hold of her own <laughs> yeah and you know when sometimes as a coach you make one comment you, you he he had the best intentions with the comment yes. right but sometimes it can miss the mark because he he totally yeah. meant to empower her and, and yeah. basically but put doing that creating putting a wedge putting a wedge because she you know why didn't she just like she should have given up like the rest of us so she's part of the group and belonging and all those other things so and there was a couple of other things like that that she just mentioned that I just wanted to share that background story because as coaches we sometimes we we say make a comment and is that really the best comment in that moment so that was part a and part b in her language it's so clear that a great coach through her lens now is someone that she can partner with on the journey. Simon Blair, what are your thoughts on the story and the, the, the coaching process being a partnership? Well, it's fascinating now that you've revealed that insight into the 15 push-ups because now her answers make even more sense, both in terms of you know, what didn't go so well in terms of coaching experience experiences and therefore so there was negatives that came out there and then positives in terms of what, what makes a great coach. Yeah, needing that partnership, not being, but what really came through was not being dictated to, you're enabled, the coach is facilitates I suppose, space for, for open conversation and questions to be asked rather than being just dictated to as a one-way, I suppose, stream of communication from the expert being the coach. Uh, and then the positives were, therefore, you know, the two things of what makes a great coach. And she really struggled for a third, which really was good because she was so clear on those two key things, and that's open-mindedness and uh, and values. So she's had those quite horrible experiences, really, that, that, they sense, that sense of feeling in a team environment that you've been isolated through no fault of your own. Yeah, and especially wow. at 12, 12 years of age. I mean, these things, oh, I can't tell you how many players good. I've worked with over the years where they've told me a coach, you know, and even sometimes a really influential coach has said something or done something through maybe just a, a demonstration or, that's really affected them years later. They hold on to things and they yeah, remember yeah. things. Imagine even as a 12-year-old asking a coach, what are your values? And checking to see if, the values are aligned with the players' values. I mean, at 12, you, even as a player, you might not know what you value, but you do know what you like. They, you know, you might not yeah. call you it a value. You have a sense of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got a sense of it. And things you like and things you mm-hmm. respond to and, and mm-hmm. uh, you might not have, yeah, the language even to put around that. But if you're given the chance to even openly express that, um, an adult can certainly interpret those things and translate that into for them as a coach, to take that as an input, I suppose, into into what is the right method here to use for this group and these individuals. So, what's the key there, Emma, in your opinion, in terms of from a, from a for, for coaches listening, and uh, in terms of as a method, then what's what's the lesson there? The lesson is just pause before you speak. You might think that what you're about to say is just they have to have this information in that moment, but sometimes. We always need to be aware of our subconscious bias. I interviewed someone recently and this discussion around girls, they need this. They they have to be told this when no, 
that's not always how it is. And it's a generalization. I yeah. It's a generalization. And yes, there's subtle gender differences. I'm a big believer in that. But there's also personality. There's also learning preferences. There's also behavioral styles. Mold that all together and then think about, do I really need to make this comment in this moment in front of this group about one particular person? Is that yes. going to, is that the right moment? And yes, over time. And and why, what's the motivation? Sorry, Emma. Why, why would you be making that comment? And that's, I think, the key because it's like, what's your inner motivation in that moment? Is it because it's to satisfy a need that you have because you're a bit annoyed by something or there's an emotional response that you're having and your ego? Or is it truly about that, that person and, yeah. and development? Yeah, that's that is what you're lesson. saying. The filters you've got to have. That's mm. the quick thought process and judgment you're going to make. Mm. So yeah, think before you speak can help certainly help that. Mm. And it's also one of the reasons, uh, just to pivot for a minute, you know, to share with everybody a little bit, perhaps about my my career right now. And I just feel so grateful, Simon, to have had so much early foundation, fundamental coaching experience in the tennis world in the sporting world to now take those concepts into the business world because definitely business coaching definition is unlocking the learning that lives within the person in front of you, right? Johanna Conta's, all her comments are very much aligned with the definition of business coaching. And if we look at sports coaching or tennis coaching, one of the definitions I liked was teaching uh, plus people management. So teaching the fundamentals plus managing the person in front of you. So yes. what I feel really excited about 2022 and really passionate to share with the audience is this combination. And I've, I've created my own word, Simon. Yes. Drum roll, <laughs> drum go. roll, please. <laughs> da -da -da, ting. And I've called it a couture as in C-O-A-T-O-R. And that's a coach and a mentor combined in one. Yes, right. A couture. Sounds French, Emma. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that even more couture. than my couture. than some, sometimes my harsh Australian accent. Thank goodness some, some Americans find it okay. But uh, a couture, and it came about with this exercise that a, a conference last Friday that I'll talk more about in a minute uh, and I'd love everyone to, to have a think about this sentence so the technique that this woman at the conference uh, had a, it's called a life design lab so you're designing this sentence like it's like it's a lab and you get to insert your own word so you insert your name so for example Emma Doyle is one of the most powerful respected and influential insert your word, which in my case was couture's yep. in the world. And I'd love everybody just to reflect on that. And if Johanna Conta's even listening, I wonder what chapter two is going to bring forward for her. I'm excited to see what she's going to do next with, with her life, post, a post very respected career. You're in a point of transition from old Emma to new Emma. And I think the best representation of that is that you've changed your graphic on the your photo image on the coaching podcast up till now has you and I on it. 
now Emirates has got to feature yourself by, by yourself with the handover and uh, my great resignation. <laughs> the great re-evaluation. I'm reframing that one. Great but anyway. And you've deliberately shifted from the photo of tennis, let's call it tennis Emma in, in, in action pose, to a shot of you doing it from one of your keynote um, presentations. I know now your focus is more moving towards the, the business world and business business coaching. I love how corporates have social responsibility programs. So I am going to be asking corporates to sponsor Girl Power Camps and I still want to run those around the world. So I'll never stop being a tennis coach yes. and I'll probably still take a handful of lessons down the road. Definitely moving into coaching coaches how to coach. So becoming a workplace coach. It's called a high-performance workplace coaching certification. So I'm super excited about it. Uh, what you did last week, tell me, tell everyone, um, because I'm not exactly clear as well, but I know there was a keynote presentation. Yeah. Uh, and was that relating to what you're now going to be Correct. Doing? Yeah, it really was the kickstart of my career pivot. And it was a conference for all human resource managers in Colorado. And yeah. I delivered a presentation on what do all champions have in common and how does that relate back to the workplace so it is taking tennis and using tennis concepts and high-performance mindsets. Dancer, sorry. The, so what, what is I knew you were going to ask us waiting. Come oh, waiting. on. And typical Simon, he, he couldn't on. help himself. He, he had to jump <laughs> in. I love that. I love that. All right. So it was work ethic into discretionary effort. So think, think corporate, corporate think discretionary effort. That was number one. Number two was belief. So think work engagement. Number three was purpose, think alignment and contribute. Number four was resilience. In the corporate world, think stress directly linked to intent to stay in the job. And number five was teamwork. So think team connection. So it was this nice through line between how that relates to the, to the workplace. And interestingly, uh, the company Uber was one of the, the examples I gave values, speaking of values, back to Johanna Conta and the, the through line of aligning values, so, so important. But would you believe they've just recently redone their values and their first value is adopt a champion mindset. They speak about, it's not how we behave on our best days, it's how we respond on our worst days. Yeah, um, yeah. And really funky values. That, like, reveals, that reveals the truth of character, doesn't it? Yeah, and that, that you know, great minds don't think alike. See the forest and the trees. So really clever values with associated behaviours, which which I love. And so I shared this champion mindset and how practical, of course, practical coaching tools that you can use in the workplace. I chose, I uh, did two resilience techniques, and I did one uh, around teamwork, just to give new and, and creative ideas around that for HR managers to walk away with, for them to also reflect on the coaching culture within their workplace in order to then, if they're interested to and they want to learn more about, uh, I've partnered with Open Door Coaching, which is a very successful company in Melbourne, and I'm finally bringing their methodology of coaching over to the US. So face-to-face, -face, um, also virtual face-to-face -face and business-to-business, uh, -business, so in-house Yep. coaching courses, um, walking away with an ICF certified uh, qualification in a high performance workplace coaching certification is what it's called. So it was an amazing day, 250 passionate people back in person 
here in the States. It felt very safe. It was really well run. And the challenges are real. The HR managers right now are overwhelmed with layoffs and all sorts of workplace yeah. issues. The great resignation is legit. People leaving, yeah. Just people leaving. Yeah, just not, this is not for me. I want to do something yep. different and I've got yep. opportunities to do exactly. something. Exactly. So coaching my lens, especially my presentation as well, and there's a virtual version this week, which is pretty cool. So I got to pre-record a virtual presentation as well. But really was saying that the coach as manager, the coach as leader is the way of the future. Like if you don't have a coaching culture in your workplace, which is shared beliefs, values, again, we hear that word value come up again, uh, plus coaching tools is what is a coaching culture. That's the definition of a coaching culture. I'm so excited, Simon. You know, I've just come off a week of doing um, coach to coach. Um, so this is the alignment between you and me. It's come full circle. Is So in my work that I do with um, in communication, with um, in customer service and sales teams, uh, in basically, I suppose, call centre environments, um, and I do work with frontline, but most, a lot of the work I'm doing now and have over my career has been with teaching managers how, how to be effective coaches of frontline staff and i've just gone through teaching quality personnel as in quality assessors and things in call centers in how to give feedback and how to be, be effective coaches as well and put them through my own accreditation program i'm basically helping uh service organizations develop coaching cultures within their workplaces for the exact reasons you just mentioned um, because that's the only way and there's the great resignation is hitting those businesses like in, in unbelievable ways and traditionally a lot of those businesses are run and managed very very poorly with traditional top-down hierarchical give that control because you have lots of volume of staff and all that sort of stuff you know bad classic management practices um, but the most successful ones is because they have pivoted and they know that investment in their in their managers and their frontline staff and their leaders has to be coaching driven trying to develop coaching cultures and this is old school for me but for so many people it's new it's like yeah finally there's been a great awakening in business but the fact is there's now a greater maturity there which is a lot more but here's the thing as you're experiencing they come to the realization key leaders in these organizations that that's what we need uh now what because <laughs> we don't actually have the skill or method to actually flick that switch and that's the great opportunity and to do that. And the beauty of what you and I do, despite the clearly different paths that we've trod, uh, is the fact we've done it in the field. It's because we've years of actually trying this out mm. with real people, real environments, diverse environments, diverse people, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, stuffing things up, <laughs> falling flat on our faces, learning from that talking about it, doing a podcast, getting others to talk about it and, and taking all of that for our audience, but for ourselves, you know, and so we just keep evolving in our own effectiveness. And I think going back to what you said earlier in this episode as well about, you know, being dictated to and that sort of divisive sort of uh, management styles and thinking before you speak and God, I think back at all mo just moments where I go, why do you know, they're vulnerable people, um, vulnerable teens and, and uh, females and oh no and it's such a male thing as well the maleness that you just you have to it's a hard thing because that's a male but that's also why more women as coaches 
in, in sport, for example, is let alone in business is, is such a wonderful thing because there are differences, again, not to generalize, but there are differences. That divisive approach can work quite well in a, with a lot of, like even boys are seeing seeding football, the difference between how boys responsive to girls, to different coaching styles. And when those male coaches come from those environments of teaching boys and then they think that same method is going to work with girls and then you get those moments that are just uh, divisive and, and res stay with individuals for years and years and years. And I think that's, that's for me been a great awakening and learning from guests, things, guests like the, the last great, I mean, Diana Katea, who I interviewed, coaching around peace and she talked to a lot of these things and just challenging all those traditional paradigms and mm. I just love love that and I know that's what you do and I've learned a lot from you talking about your own experiences especially that female perspective mm. and with, as you said my own daughters and being involved in female coaching and uh, just great great life lessons and I'm, I'm really excited for you and what you're what you're doing. Simon what about Johanna's question for us one thing we did in our early episodes is we always did try and dissect the questions, which was how do you work through the triumphs and the difficulties? I love that little distinction as well. It's not just you know, a lot of people on the podcast have asked the question, how do you overcome adversity and how do you get through the hard times? It's also how do you get through the triumphs when you've she's top 10 in the world, right? Like that's it's pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. And so yes. how do you get through the difficulties and the triumphs? Well, I think I'm more curious and fascinated about the triumph side of it because I think that's less talked about, isn't it? It and is. I think the high it performance is. people, athletes in sport, in business, yeah, what's next? How do you keep improving? How do you not settle for this success and whatever that means for you? Yeah, there's a, I'm really curious about the, the psychology and practical methods that you can use to keep moving forward. Mm. And isn't that the key? I think, isn't that the key that, you know, the Australian Open's just, just finished here in Melbourne and obviously when you look at the, the, the top three in the men's game, how those individuals have managed to stay on top for so long. Like, uh, what's going on there? It's yeah, and Rafa, what about Rafa's human. comment oh. at the end? He said that winning, actually, the Australian Open men's singles final, 21st Grand Slam, huge shout-out to, to Rafa's resilience. But he then said... It's given him the motivation. I'll see you next year. He said, I'll see you next year. Like that's like a whole 12 months more of putting his body through so much. And a month and a half earlier, he said that he thought he was never going to play the game again. In that one statement, he's, he's, he's summarizing her, Johanna's question for us. He's got that difficulty, faces the end, has the triumph and then says, you know what? I'm going to keep going. Because there's there's got to be something you've got to latch onto for that motivation is that 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 new challenge that 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 new experience that even with all of their experiences is still new for them that is something to achieve something to conquer uh, and he faced that within the game didn't he within he the did. game he had to two sets you know, to love down yeah adversity and uh, not only yeah. two sets to love down but getting comprehensively beaten <laughs> yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. I mean, there's two sets to love down and there's two sets to love down, isn't mm. there? I mean, one other thing that came to mind, follow Craig Tizer, I've met him a number of times. And one thing I would just like that he posted the other day, you know, how do you work through the triumphs? I think it is important to stop and celebrate. It's very easy to oh, go, what's next? Absolutely. What's next? Or yes, I'm going to now push through and I'll see you in a year and get back 
to the training ground. But if we don't, you know, stop and smell the roses, you and I, I'm sure we had a whole episode on that once. We have to celebrate. And just, and it doesn't need to be a big hoo-ha, whatever, within your own personality. <laughs> but stop and celebrate, I think, is, is a good way to, to get through the triumphs and then be able to reset and repurpose and purpose is a big yeah. thing too, which relates to the through line that you've mentioned a couple of times today, which I love, which is root cause of motivation. Well, uh, for myself, the choices I'm going to make in terms of where I'm investing time and energy this year, for example, you know, I've been doing, I've been working for myself in my own business about 12 years. And of course, so you go up and down in terms of success and, uh, and, and motivation because I've been doing this stuff for 30 years. I've been teaching customer service and, and teaching coaching what's next you can, you can get bored with yourself <laughs> there's a similarity there in terms of you've got to find that thing because i know i've been doing the thing i've been doing for 30 years is because i inherently love this content the subject matter and which is really the people that i'm dealing with that's the intrinsic thing i get out of it um but at the same time there's work involved and, there's, and it's not always always enjoyable sure many people can relate to that yeah, so just in business, because you don't get the adulation. <laughs> you don't get that there's an event with the contest and the score and, and success is a relative term, isn't it, for mm. everyone? What you triggered for me is sometimes that that aha or that moment comes when they just, they finally get something or you've asked a question in a different way and, and it's dropped. Mm. So not about the trophy or not about the win. <laughs> and I think that, that translates directly into my experience already in executive coaching. When they have that that moment where you just ask a couple of questions in a couple of different ways and you're fishing in an area, but you don't know what's going to land for them and then it lands and then they come back mm -hmm. the next session and say, hey, I tried that or I did this and and it really resonated or re I really had a breakthrough or, you know, I think yeah. that at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's that's what we live you've for. Been, you it's know, not, you've been the person that's facilitated. Yeah, that. we don't always get it right. We don't always get it <laughs> right. We don't ask the right question. We don't. Quite make, often, we don't. <laughs> yes, the, the you know the right statement as as Johanna pointed out. But I just want to again just go back to her her work ethic was the number one trait of what makes a champion. Johanna Conta, she was a worker. That girl works. And she did not leave until she felt like, hey, I, I just want to get this. And, you know, I, there's a lot to be said about that. I think she really did unleash her potential in a really mature and dedicated and really authentic way. Like she never really changed who she was when I knew her as a kid is who I bumped into at the, the lunch break. And, yeah. you know, that's really nice to see that that strong character trait uh, throughout her life and just want to wish her, her all the best as I do you Simon Blair I want to say thank oh, you thank again you. I'm so grateful and I'm really excited as you know about the book is but wasn't for the coaching yes. podcast the data what makes a great coach it's our it's our stock standard third question everyone knows it yeah. we ask the same you know same question if you're yep ever going to be a guest on this podcast you get you know that that's that, yeah, that, question. With that. <laughs> it's never ever leaving formulas great I, we've asked for feedback a number of times and people say that they love our stock standards five questions mm. that we ask every guest and and if it wasn't for 
you and I on that first day coming up with that structure and it's really been awesome. And also when I, when we ask coaches to ask us a question, that data is also in the book. A lot of that data, people's questions for the podcast, uh, such as Johanna's, I'm sure Johanna's question, because I love it so much, will will make the final cut. But the reason it's just taking a little bit longer just to, to let the listeners know as well, it was ready to go to, to, to edit, almost print in December, which was the goal. And the career pivot meant that it, the book just needed to shift and really bring out the essence of what the coaching podcast is about, which is coach for success in sport and business. So just going back to the beginning uh, and just keeping the the tennis um, vehicle to, to teach lessons, but making sure there's a through line. So if you're a coach in business or you're a coach in sport, then you can take the lessons from the book and from what makes a great coach data from over 500 successful business and sports coaches and be able to apply that in your life. So just wanted to to give that um, the air that it needs, but I'll keep you all updated. The landing page is www.whatmakesagreatcoach.com. Can you believe I got that domain name, Simon Blair? Can you believe it? (laughs) So thanks again, Simon. I appreciate you. And uh, I know you'll be listening and, and supporting and checking in with the coaching podcast. Am I allowed to come back? Absolutely. <laughs> that's a great idea. We'll have we'll do once a year. Because it's yours now. You might decide, no, nah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> time is done. No, I like that. I love that idea. I have the, the original dream team back once a that's once right. a year. Also, if anyone's oh, yeah. out there listening yes. and they would like to sponsor the, the coaching podcast, we'd love to hear from you. I appreciate um, you. I just want to say, Emma. No, thank you. And look, it's in great hands. You've, you've done an incredible job with this uh, podcast and um, really rescued it from the depths of uh, inactivity and really um, revitalised it. It's absolutely now your show and um, I can't wait to, to see and hear the uh, the evolution and, of you and uh, and where this goes. And for any potential sponsors out there, you know, Emma's created at a significant audience um it's a global audience and i think um and just the diversity the diversity of people and ideas is i think it's real strength and um i think that provides opportunity for someone who's willing to get on board and and yeah you're you're doing an incredible job and thank you emma for uh, everything you've done for me and then and for the show and um yeah i can't wait can't wait to see what happens next yeah right back at you thank you everybody we appreciate you for listening which of course is the top third response in what makes great coach signing off it's been an absolute pleasure being with you thank you again simon blair thanks emma the coaching podcast was brought to you by emma doyle and simon blair emma doyle is a global speaker and performance coach helping unleash human potential her website is emmadoyle.com.au And I'm Simon Blair, trainer, assessor and coach of sales and customer service skills with my own company, Five Degrees. Connect with me on LinkedIn or email me at simon.blair at five degrees. That's F-I-V-E-D-E-G-R-E-E-S dot com dot A-U. 